in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast. Brought to you by Texas Fish and Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas Outdoor Nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Vaughn Warnke, author, outdoor writer, videographer, speaker, blogger, podcaster. Do a few other things in the outdoor industry, but the list just gets too long. (laughs) I love this industry, and I love to share this show with you. I love this podcast, and thank you so much for tuning in and checking out our show whether you are downloading this show or if you are streaming it online uh, on your mobile device or on your pc or your mac or whatever the case may be thank you so much for doing so all right back with another show this week really excited about the guest that i have he's a good buddy of mine his name's tim jackson and uh man am i just fired up about uh about having him on the show we i laughed so hard during this interview um we just had a lot of fun i think you really enjoyed we talk about hunting and fishing talk about african hunting we talk about noodling for catfish we talk a little bit about everything uh but before we get into that i want to mention the sponsor for this episode since we're talking about fish and stuff and it's the summertime and summer's a great time to go fishing and that is our friends over at netfish Now, you can get the Netfish app for your Android phone through the Google Play Store or through the iTunes Store with the Apple products, such as the iPhone. And uh, it is an awesome social rewards-based app utilizing millions of data points such as location, water depth, temperature, vegetation, and presence of fish. And combining that with weather, moon phase data, and specific behaviors uh, related to species of fish to predict when and where the fish are biting. Netfish rewards users with virtual currency that can be redeemed for free gear. I love that stuff. Similar apps charge a subscription fee for these types of premium features, but Netfish requires no subscription and is 100% free. Simply put, Netfish is your free fishing guide from start to finish. You can download Netfish for free at netfish.io. That's netfish.io. I've downloaded this uh, this uh, app and I really enjoy it. I've I've used it quite a bit so far, and it's just a really neat, uh, full of information, really neat app. And I have a lot of fishing apps, but uh, this one's definitely one of my favorite because you can redeem your uh, points for free gear. I mean, there can't be anything cooler than that. I mean, that's really cool, and it gives you a lot of fishing data to uh, to do some stuff there out in the water. Uh, I know a lot of you that listen to this show hunt and fish both. And uh, I know a lot of you especially fish because that's even more accessible here in the state of Texas and elsewhere. And I'm really excited to have these guys on board as a sponsor this week. So Netfish is, uh, is an awesome app to check out. All right, getting into our podcast today. Tim Jackson, good friend of mine, met him through Marty McIntyre, uh, GarQuest Bow Fishing Adventures. And he's based in North Texas in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area, DFW as we call it. And I uh, have a lot of fun with him on this show. I really um, thank you guys so much for tuning in again. I also wanted to bring up our newsletters that we have. We have the Tuesday, Tactical Tuesday newsletter. We have the Wildlife Wednesday newsletter. And we have the Thursday, Texas State of the Outdoor Nation newsletter. And um, those are all available at fishgame.com. You can register to get on that newsletter list and get those emails. We also send out sponsored email blasts for sponsors this past week uh, for the 4th of July we just had. 
a um, sponsored email for a um, high standard for a 4th of July sale that they had. So you'll get some stuff like that every once in a while and uh, some partner offers of, of folks that are sponsors with us that are uh, partnering with us to give you some deals. So that's always nice. And uh, I just came back from Oklahoma. The day before I left, I recorded this podcast and I rushed back to my desk in my little office here and uh, edited it today to get it out to you on time for Thursday's newsletter and um, we just got back. It's Wednesday when I'm recording these bumpers, the front and back part of the podcast. And then I recorded this the Friday before I left last Friday, June 30th. So it's just been crazy. I saw my dad up in Oklahoma and did some, um, you know, outdoor stuff with him. He's big into farming and ranching. So uh, we talked hunting and fishing and did some farming and ranching things. So that was all fun. And um, anyway, lots of good times going on there. And here's my interview with Tim Jackson. Joining me on the phone is Mr. Tim Jackson. How are you doing, Tim? Oh, doing good. Doing good. How are you? Uh, doing great, man. I, I can't complain. It's Friday afternoon when we're recording this. It is 5 o'clock somewhere, as they like to say, 5.30 somewhere in our time. And uh, i just uh, so excited to have you on the podcast. I've wanted to have you on for a while. And uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, Tim? Oh, well, not a whole lot to tell. Uh, <laughs> you know, I... I work for a roofing and construction company out of the DFW area, and, and uh, I guide for uh, GarQuest, Marty McIntyre, uh, you know, in my spare time, which sometimes I got a lot of, and sometimes I don't. Right. Um, you know, wife and kids, and we're always hunting or fishing or running around doing something. No, that's great. Yeah. Uh, I think, by the way, I have, a, I have an awesome wife, but you have an awesome wife, too. Uh, tell us a little <laughs> bit about Holly Jackson. Oh man, this could go on forever. <laughs> she, uh, she's she's a good one, you know. She uh, she's a good outdoors woman. She loves to have fun. She, you know, she's an amazing mother to the kids and fishing and hunting, and she's not scared to do anything, you know. So, oh yeah, <laughs> she stays right there with me. I'll never forget the first time I went bow fishing with you and Holly, and it was a cold night. You remember this? Does this bring back any memories? It was a cold I, night. I do, I do remember this. It was a fall. It was like October. No, it was colder than that. It was like January or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I think it was mid-30s to 40, yeah. I think. Yeah, it was. And uh, she had shot a big buffalo, and Marty wanted her to hold it up against her, you know, against herself to uh, take the picture. And uh, she was not willing to do that right away, that big old slimy fish with her, with all of our heavy clothing and stuff. You know, I was dressed up like I was going bow hunting. I had face face cover and everything on, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. I'll never forget that. I, I was like, that is one awesome woman right there. She's not afraid to get in there just like the guys, you know. <laughs> That's what I thought. Well, I can tell you, the only difference between then and now, which that was several years ago, is now – She'll just throw it right on her. She ain't worried That's about right. it. She, she so. was kind of kind of reluctant <laughs> to put the fish on her at that time, but I've kind of seen her Facebook and Instagram account, and I'll definitely put that in the show notes too so you can follow her. But uh, she's not afraid of much, you know? I mean, <laughs> no, she's not. I'm scared of her, though. That's right. That's right. As you should be. That's for sure. <laughs> So, uh, no, that's fun. And so, you know, a lot of times they say the woman makes the man. I know that's the case in my marriage. So I, I definitely think you'd probably agree with me, wouldn't you? 150%. <laughs> I love it. No, that's great. Uh, so 
basically, you and I met through Marty Magatar and GarQuest through bow fishing, and I wanted to remind readers and listeners and you know whoever's tuning into the show, uh, bow fishing 101 was our big thing that we did in June. I haven't mentioned it a ton on the show, but uh, we have a bow fishing quiz that you can take, and you can register by taking that quiz to win a diamond edge sonar bow fishing bow. And uh, that's going on through the end of the week uh, that this podcast releases. And uh, we've, we're going to keep on uh, pouring the steam on. You took the quiz, didn't you, Tim? Yes, sir. Was it very hard? Not, not for me, it wasn't. But. <laughs> I tried to make it challenging enough so people that were experienced, you know, to take it. But I came up with some of the questions with Marty. Mm-hmm. I came up with some of the questions with our editor-in-chief, Chester Moore. And we just had a lot of fun with it. So thanks for participating. And I invite oh, everybody yeah. else that hasn't participated yet to go and check that out. Because, <clears> my goodness, it's just a lot of fun. So, um but yeah, there, there's a lot of content that I covered, you know, eating what you shoot when you're bow fishing and, and all the different things that go along with bow fishing. What are your basic tactics, Tim, uh, when it comes to bow fishing? I'm just curious. Oh, it, it really varies, you know, depending on time of year and, and that kind of stuff and the weather. But, um, you know, they, they react a lot like a game fish in some ways, you know, they, they like the points and they like structure and, um, you know, you can, especially whenever it gets colder and you don't, you may not see as many fish, you know, up in the real shallow water. You, you find those points and those humps and stuff, just like when you're bass fishing. Right. Um, sure. They, they basically act the same in, in a lot of ways. And so it just kind of varies depending on, you know, like I said, the weather and the temperatures. They, and the, you know, the pressure, of course, it just, you got to kind of watch that stuff and plan accordingly, you know, it's. Right. Right, and we've, we've talked a lot about bow fishing on this show before because it's one of my favorite subjects, and Elliot Donnelly, our digital publisher, calls me an out-of-the-box writer because I write about bow fishing and, you know, uh, um, all the, you know, air gun shooting and all the stuff that I do that's kind of oddball compared to most normal outdoor activities, yeah. but, you know, I, I love doing it. I mean, it's a great way to, to help the environment, you know, the ecosystem with the, uh, with the uh, you know, invasive species, but it's oh, also sure. just a lot of fun to get out and... Um, you know, have a lot of fun with more of a social event. It's kind of like dove hunting is the way I equate it. Don't yeah. you think? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, what's funny is, is I've heard that uh, lots of people, you know, they've never been that, well, you know, I don't know. <laughs> don't know. About I've this. never had anybody after the end of a trip that ever said, I'm never doing that again. That's right. <laughs> no, never, it don't happen. They all, I mean, half of them are booking a trip again, you know, for a week down the road or a month down the road that's right and you do some guiding for guard yeah. quest so you know all about yeah. that and that's I mean, that's that's the thing that it really just gets me fired up is just because it combines archery it combines hunting it combines fishing you know you're searching for the fish you're you're uh, you're engaging three different sports in one you know what i mean oh yeah and besides that my other favorite part about it is during the summer it's too hot to do much of anything yeah, that's right <laughs> but you know you can go out at night and you know it's not too bad it's 75 to, to 85 you know and got a little wind and not getting sunburned and you can go have some fun that's right that's right and at night it's pleasant to be outdoors and uh besides some of the bugs that get attracted to the lights at night when you're bow fishing other than that it's a pretty pleasant experience overall i mean i've never really been out there and said i want to go home you know i mean that's yeah. never happened ever so. well i've been pretty cold but i didn't go home i wanted to but <laughs> you and i are both pretty hardcore outdoors with some of this stuff so that's one thing for i sure. tip our hat on both of those things for sure so both 
both of us. But um, no, I just really enjoy it. So, you know, I, I invite folks that have not read the bow fishing one-on-one content. It's built for bow hunters and bow fishermen and, and um, you know, fishermen that have never really enjoyed the sport before. I kind of wrote most of probably two thirds of the content was, was me and uh, basically wrote down, you know, just some of the basics of bow fishing from a bank, you know, uh, going out with a guide, you know, whatever you decide to do, how to do it. There's about nine articles and we've done about, um, oh, four email blasts as of today. This, this Friday is the end of June and uh, when I'm recording this. And I've uh, really had a lot of fun with that program. And uh, next up is Crossbow School, and that's coming up in August. Uh, and that's also going to be with Bowtech. And um, we're going to be doing something with Excalibur and uh, and uh, the uh, Striker and the rest of those crossbows that, uh, that Bowtech owns. And I'm really excited about that. Do you do a lot of bow hunting, Tim? Oh, yeah, I have over the years. Yeah, it's just something that a lot of people that are bow fishermen, you know, what we say in bow fishing is it's almost better if you're not an archer because you, you won't learn the for wrong sure. things to do. You know what I mean? For you sure. Know what I mean. For sure. <laughs> I actually kind of slowed down bow hunting when I started bow fishing right. so much, you know, and not that I don't enjoy it because I still love it. I just, sure. I just tend to jump in the boat instead of getting in my truck and driving to deer stand. You know? I know. It's, it's, it's hunting all the same, really, you know, yeah, in a lot exactly. of regards it is, so... No, that's good. So recently, one thing I wanted to bring up on the show, you have been to Africa. What part of Africa did you go to and what kind of game did you harvest? I saw your pictures on Facebook. Oh, it was, we went down to the Limpopo region. Um, I couldn't even tell exactly where it is. It's kind of central east, central Africa, I guess. Okay. Um, we went down to a big reserve there that was like 50,000 acres. And, wow. Uh, one fence. There's no cross fences or anything, you know. And, um, it's it's amazing to the people who haven't been there and people that don't understand <clears throat> basically the way Africa is. is, I mean, if you don't have a fence, you don't have anything. Right. Uh, it's, it's decimated. And it's insane whenever you go there and see these places and drive by them, the, what these places conservatories are doing for that country i mean yes. it's it's amazing what they're doing and it's hard for people to understand that aren't really involved um but once you kind of been there i mean it was we had such a great time over there you know they treated us great but it that was the most amazing thing to me was to just see the properties and it's just it's insane no that's amazing and one thing i wanted to bring up i brought up on the last show with clay hergert um we talked about conservation and how hunting <coughs> aids in conservation you agree with that tim don't you wouldn't you say oh that? for sure that's definitely the case with africa isn't it oh 100 i mean that's that's the key right and one of the other outdoor shows that I listen to is the Outdoor Adventures with Jason podcast, J-A-Y-S-O-N. Uh, Jason Sacco actually helped him start his podcast based off of the success I've had with mine. And uh, and he interviews a lot of folks that have been to Africa, some of them that go three or four times a year. Not all of us have the budget to pull that off, but, you know, <laughs> uh, but it, it, you know, it opened his eyes. And I think it did the same thing for you, didn't it? Oh, I'm, I'm, you just, you can't. You can't put it into words. I mean, when you drive just from the airport, you know, and see the beautiful homes. I mean, just there's some big, beautiful homes there, and everybody has an eight or ten foot high metal fence with razor wire or with spikes on the top. Because if you don't, you don't. They everything's gone. They steal right. everything. Right, poachers you know? and that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. and then and and then you know you drive out of town and you see it's just 
it's insane over there. It really is. I mean, you look back, it's, it's not, they're nowhere near where we are over here. Right. And I mean, the thing that I bring up to a lot of folks, and I talked about my stepfather on the last podcast, my father brought me into hunting and fishing. My stepdad's always kind of been on the non-hunter side, but sometimes even on the anti-hunter side. And I've, I've kind of talked to him about how (coughs) conservation, you know, is different from preservation in that the hunting actually preserves that species. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, and a lot of our listeners may know that, but I wanted to reiterate that on this show because it's been something that's been in my mind lately. Without hunting, there's no value on that animal. And that's exactly Africa right there. I mean, you nailed it. Without hunting, they have no value. So therefore, all these animals are scimitar horned orcs. Right. Perfect example. There's more in the state of Texas than there is in Africa because they were just decimated because they didn't have any value over there. Exactly. At the time. You know, and then then you get in the situations where, like, when somebody's over there and they kill a lion, right? And 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 you have the people who, are, oh my gosh, you killed a lion. Well, what they don't understand is that, for one, ninety nine percent of the time when that happens, that's a non breeding male who's killing every cub that's a male that's born in that pride. Right. So by killing one lion, you've saved numerous others. Mm-hmm. You know. And it's just, it's a circle and it's, it's something that if you don't, if you're not open to hear it, you're never going to understand it. No, I understand that completely. And I mean, that's why people that are on the fence are the people I'm more interested in reaching in my work in the outdoors, because the people that are anti kind of have their mind made up, but the people that are non, you know, are just kind of like, well, I don't know enough to make an opinion about that. Yes, exactly. So I think that definitely has some, some merit there for sure. But what kind of animals did you harvest while you were there, Tim? I was, I was fortunate, man. I could have harvested quite a few more than quite a few more, but, uh, I I kept thinking about my bank account. (laughs) That's important Uh, too, right? (laughs) You know, exactly. Well, yeah, because since the wife told me how much I could or couldn't spend. Right. Yes. I knew where I had to be, you know, (laughs) Sure. but, uh, I, I shot a sable, um, which was the first animal I shot, and it was unbelievable. I mean, just just the coolest hunt ever. Um, after that, I, I shot a blue wildebeest, and then I shot my kudu, oh, and wow. and uh, then I shot an impala. But um, I chased a zebra around all week, and, and people can say what they want about a zebra. That's the smartest animal <laughs> I don't know how a white and black animal can hide in a green country. It, <laughs> I was I was within thirty yards of a group of about thirty of them. I can't even tell you how many times. Oh no! I never knew they were there. You know, and it was so bad. The owner of the ranch was the one that drove my my ride around while right. we were there. Yeah, you're surprised. He said, that, right. and he told me he goes, "You shoot a zebra, I pay for it." <laughs> I was hunting it so hard. He was going to just give it to me. Oh, that's great. You know, I just couldn't make it happen. They're so smart. And all the animals over there are just, I mean, it's, it's, I love the different species they have, you know? It's so diverse, isn't it? It's amazing. It's amazing. And I've never been, but I, I, I watch a lot of safari shows and I, I've really studied Africa well. And, and it's a perfect example, you know, of high fence hunting isn't bad, you know, and, no. and conservation is hunting and hunting is conservation and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, 
I, most everybody's ha- I've had on the show has has agreed with me about the high fences, but we have a lot of listeners and a lot of uh, uh, folks on our Facebook page of Texas Fishing Game that are like totally anti high fence, and well, uh, I definitely think there's a, there's merit. I understand both ends, but I'm very yeah, pro-high and, fence. and I, I you know the way I look at it is is if you don't like high fence hunting, that's that's your pro you know that's prerogative. You can have that opinion. If you like the low fence or if you like the bow hunter, you rifle hunter, you varmint hunter, you deer hunt, whatever it is. We're still all hunters. Exactly. Absolutely. Ha- you don't correct. have yes. to want to go hunting that high fence. That's fine. If you don't want to hunt in it, I don't. That's that's more than fine. But don't make it to where you know they shouldn't be able to do that just because it's not something you want to do. Right. Absolutely. You know, they they've got a they've got a goal in mind and what they're doing. You know, the same as you do. You know, we manage our properties in our low fence hunting places that we hunt just as well as they manage theirs. Right. Know? The ranches that um, that manage for high fence, you know, genetics and everything like that, it basically keeps the predators out, and it keeps yep. the people out, and it keeps the mm-hmm. genetics and the things that you want to breed for in. That's yep. the basics exactly. of it. And obviously for exotics and that kind of stuff, you don't have exotics if you don't have, you know, high fences, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you've got to be able to keep them in. I mean, there are certain animals, like like a black buck or a bison or whatever, they they, yeah. they will not, you know – there's no worry there. I mean, you deal a little bit in exotic trading stuff like I do, but you know, for the most part, high fences are essential if you're going to hunt exotics, yes. which Texas is very well known for hunting exotics. Yep. And, and you know, on the, the can hunt subject, I mean, the easiest way to avoid that whole situation is don't go out and try to find the cheapest access hunt you can find or the cheap, you know, you find a deal that's unreal. It's probably not going to be from a, you know, right. a, a, a reputable, ranch there, there are places out there that, that don't do it right but there's not many exactly that's know? my point and, and the greater good is that high fencing exactly, is exactly yes exactly you got the people that are just money hungry you know and then you have people that actually care that are trying to do something you right know? exactly exactly and so you know i i definitely i bring this up often i talked to blake marshall uh the uh, i don't know it's been a few months now that we've done our podcast together but you know, he talks about wild animals being wild in just about any circumstance, whether it be high fence or low fence. You know, it, they're not necessarily tame because of high fences. Do you agree? Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. So. You know, the pictures that you see on Facebook of somebody feeding a 300-inch buck, you know, that's that, that deer is not – that's a breeder buck that they keep in that pen. Right. You know, in, in a certain area that they see – for probably 16 hours a day they're in contact <laughs> that's true. you know that's in and point. out and around yeah. it, and they're raised from a baby with them you know it's different from the ones that are in the pastures yes absolutely i mean they there's i know people who've hunted in the high fence for one for a particular deer for three or four years and never saw it right right absolutely you know? if it's big and enough, then it gets absolutely. killed a couple of years later and they're like hey he was still alive you know right exactly so. so yeah, I mean that's definitely a consideration to make. I mean it's it's uh it's just an interesting subject because there are more people that are on you know against it in a lot of cases because they're not educated about what goes on behind a yeah. high fence, you know. And I that's mean exactly right. I, I say often, you know, we fear what we don't understand, um, but we also fear what we can't control. And, you know, that's something that a lot of folks have, you know, have issues with. Well, you know, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. And I, it's a political issue. It, it, I just don't want to see it as a political issue. You know yeah. I mean? And 
I'm the same way, man. Anytime you get out of the gray area and you go into that red or black, you, I mean, that you don't come back from. It. That's right. You <laughs> That's know, you, it's it's kind of like once you raise a tax on something. Yes. Oh, There's you no know, we back. really <laughs> we really need a football field here. Let's just do a quarter of a percent, you know, tax raise across the country. Right. Oh, okay. Well, that football field got paid off. Now, why do you still pay, you know, this That's extra right. quarter percent? There's no turning back. Yeah. You know, so, so <laughs> to say, you know, they shouldn't, I don't think they should be able to do that. Right. You know, or they should stop doing that a hundred percent. Well, how about we try to figure out a way before you come to that conclusion, let's, let's try to teach you or show you educate right what's going on educate you on it and then if you still feel that way we can have a conversation right right and yeah and and my whole thought like you may you mentioned oryx being more in texas than there are in their native country of africa i brought Mm -hmm. up on this show many times black buck antelope india you know more of them here in texas than india axis deer more of them here in texas Mm -hmm. than in in india and the countries that they exist um a lot of cases fallow deer red stag you know other animals that we hunt texas wouldn't be texas without the high fences in a lot of ways because of the exotic population that we have. And I bring up exotics a lot because you can hunt them year-round. There's no yep. limit on them. There's no size you know, restrictions. I mean, it's we have it so good in this state, is my point, Tim. Do you agree? Oh, yes, I mean, it's yes. awesome in this state. We have it so good. We are so happy to be, and we're fiercely independent as Texans, wow. too, on top of that. You know? yeah, I didn't even know there was another state. <laughs> That's right. And I know I've got people like Xavier who listens uh, in Arizona and some other listeners and stuff that, that listen from outside the state. And I appreciate all of you. I really do appreciate all of our listeners that tune into this. But, you know, I mean, we, we have got a lot to attract people to this state because of exotics and because of our hog population and, and all yeah. these other things that we have in our state that's unique to our state because we're so big and so privately owned. Yeah, and I mean, don't forget the fact that they all create jobs. Mm-hmm. I mean, all those ranches have lots of employees. That that I've yeah. never explored with anybody on this show because that, that's a very good point though, Tim. Yeah, I it, mean it takes it takes a lot of people and a lot of work. I mean, it's not just one guy that owns it and the deer just happen to. I mean, there's they have vets on staff. A lot of them have you know vets on staff and doctors on staff. Right. They got all this stuff, you know. Yeah, a lot of people on the payroll, a lot of mouths to feed, and and that's mm-hmm. the way that's the big the big deal is done. You know, with a lot of these big ranches and that kind of stuff. But even the smaller ranches, like you and I, do you know exotic oh, yeah. stuff. I mean, they're. There's there's always somebody making something somewhere in the commerce of exotic sales and um you know it's a, it's a really big business a lot of people don't even know anything about but I you know oh, you yeah. and I dabble in both of that so for sure anyway but yeah no that's great so switching gears real quick we're moving into deer season uh whitetail deer season which starts in October for both season and uh, November for um rifle season and our season is very liberal and extended here in texas what are some of your tips for deer hunting whether it's with a rifle or a bow oh wow um <laughs> did i drop a hard one on you <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it, I, I will tell you it from everywhere that i've hunted across the state is depends on what part of the country yes. you're in yes because i so mean diverse. north this north central where i'm at you know just right. outside of dfw the deer here are the most skittish scared thing in the world you know i can drive an hour and a half two hours south of me and i could rattle a can and have deer all over my truck (laughs) you know and it's it's amazing so it it varies so much across the state as far as how the deer act but you know my big thing is is i'm just real picky about my deer stand and about my feeder i don't like people in there i don't like 
I don't like to leave my radio on when I drive up to my deer feeder, even though I'm backing up and pouring yeah. corn in the feeder, you know, I've just got these little idiosyncrasies that, that I, I do out there. I, not that it helps. It's just one of those things that, you know, no, it's your I'm method. In other words, yeah, you yeah, know. it's your method. I'm the same way, yeah. man. Absolutely. I, I try to be stealthy and quiet when it counts. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I, we get a lot of heat as, as a state because we hunt over feeders and there are a lot of folks that listen to the show that hunt like public land. And like I said, one reason we hunt over feeders is because we have a lot of deer and it's good to see the population of, of your deer herd through, through feeding program like that. Um, but another reason is, uh, is we're private land and we can pretty much do anything we darn well want to because the state allows baiting, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, so well, there's that. And you've also got, again, the situation of depends on where you're at in the country. Yes. You know, some of this country up here where we're at is so thick. It's, it's just like coyote hunting here. Right. You're wasting, you're wasting your time. If you're putting, yeah, you're, out, right. you'll get one, 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 you know, every now and then when you go calling or whatever for coyotes, but our country is so thick that yes, you is. just don't see them. And if you're deer hunting here, yeah, you've got the occasional wheat field and this kind of stuff, but a lot of these rolling big hills with these, but these valleys and all in them are so thick, no access to them that yes. if you don't have something to draw animals out of there, they're just dying of old age. That's that's another thing I was <laughs> going to bring up is the food source you know. in a lot of ways. As far as natural food sources, now I'm, I'm talking about there being no difference in 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 the case of somebody who is hunting with a, with a, a cornfield in the background or a food plot. Exactly. I don't really see the difference between that and a deer feeder. You know what I'm it's, saying? It's feet. It's feet. It's your bait. I mean, even in, in country uh, states that don't bait and they don't make a big deal about that, you know, um, they're still hunting over food plots. They're still hunting over a food source, right? You exactly. Know? I, I mean, mean the only difference point. is you can't decide what time the corn is available. That's right. That's right. Exactly. But my deer don't believe in that anyway. They do what they want. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. My deer, my deer don't believe in that either in the place I hunt. You so, know, except yeah. a couple of spikes that come in all the time. You know how they are. Yeah. yeah, not the <laughs> smartest of the group, but yeah, yeah, no, that's the way it works. I, I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I'm going to now. Um, one of the, oh, one <laughs> of the comments I got the other day was on my spy hunting video, which you may have seen uh, on my YouTube channel. Uh, Mason in early 2016, the antlers and spike season that we have here in the state of Texas. Uh -huh. And he was saying, well, unless you're really hungry, which it doesn't look like you are. Um, you know, I was like, thanks a lot. And, uh, you know, he said, unless you're really hungry or you have a need to take that animal spikes, aren't necessarily management. And that was one of the hot, I mean, we just jumped off into it. It's um, a hot topic. I mean, because a lot of people, a lot of the old school people believe that spike hunting is, is due to, you know, some of the, you know, a lot genetics the genetics, they have poor genetics and superior, superior genetics if they don't have spikes and so on and so forth. But and I it, don't know. It, in all honesty, it's really, really simple. If we, if we think about it for a second. I'm listening. Okay, I'm back. You have, you, you have deer. Used to, we had a big solid rut. And we knew basically within two weeks when these deer were going to breed, blah, 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 blah. Yes. Well, over the years, this this has changed. It used to be, you know, early November, first week of November, you could guarantee between the seventh or seventh to fourteenth, maybe the second week of November, sure. you could guarantee we were going to have the rut here. Period. In the story, didn't matter. Right. Well, now I've seen deer, you know, breeding in January. Yes. I've seen them breeding in September. Uh -huh. You know, I I saw a a doe 
was standing there and had a baby that still had the umbilical cord stuck on on Father's Day. Wow. Born on Father's Day. That's something else. So now, so think about it. You have a fawn born in June. So then you got July, August, and here we are, September. Velvet's gone. How old is that deer? Come come November. That's a four-month-old deer. Not even a half a year old. Not even a His spots just went away, maybe. Right. If his spots went away. So then you see a spike there, and everybody's like, oh, it's an inferior deer. Heck, he was just born. Good point. See, so my issue, the way I look at Spox is if I'm big on trying to age animals. Sure. That's just, that's what I do. It's what I practice. It's what I, it's what I study. That's, that's my thing. Um, if it's, if it's a three-year-old deer, that's a spot, two and a half, three-year-old. I, yeah. I'm going to shoot him. Yes. In my mind, that's a, sh- I'm not going to shoot a yearling spike Spot. personally. If you want to, that's, that's on you. It's legal. Right. I'm good with it. I don't care about, I mean, if it's a legal means and you, I'm happy for you. Well, in my case, Tim, I was, it was the only deer that was coming out. It was my only day on that stand. It was my only morning on that stand. We were driving back later that morning and that afternoon. It's two and a half hours away from home. I'm pulling the trigger on that. You know, I have no, and I don't have an issue with it. I mean, to me, that's fine. I I I just try to get that, you know, People don't under a lot of people don't think about the fact that these deer are born. A lot of them are born so late. It's so why they're a spike. So That's basically, true. what I'm saying is the little yearling deer. I mean, if you need to shoot a deer, shoot a deer. But let it ride, otherwise, yeah. But if, you're unless you're just wanting a spike, if you don't need, you know, need versus want here. Sure. If you don't need to shoot that deer. Let that one go. Let it walk. Yeah, let it walk. No, I agree. You know with what you. I mean? I, and I, I had a hard time defending myself with that guy because he had a good point. But at the same time, I was like, well, it was it was antlers and spike season, you know. And I mean, this was and yeah. the landowner specifically asked that I shoot spikes off his property. That was another. So thing. you better shoot. Ninety-seven percent of Texas is privately owned <laughs> property. Three yeah. percent is public. And, um, you know, that's just the way, you know, yeah. yeah so. And there's no, no issue with it. That's just my personal no, opinion on, on, on the spike debate. I like your, I like your know. viewpoint. I really do. I, I share a similar viewpoint. I just wanted to see what yours was first. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm a hundred percent like, you know, if people, if it's legal and you can do that, you know, if, if shooting, three does and if you're on 20 acres and you've got three doe tags and their owner says you can shoot them that's fine right i mean that that's that's your right you know sure. if you're managing it that's the way you're managing it if you're not managing it, you're just shooting deer because you got tags you're just shooting deer because right. you got tags exactly you know yeah so no that's a good that's a very controversial issue but it's one yeah. i wanted to address because i haven't talked about it on the show before yeah and it thought, is very controversial. i thought it would be a good one to bring up <laughs> so, <laughs> that's good that's, uh, that's a, what are your other uh thoughts on deer hunting i mean where you hunt it's very dense um you know tell us a little bit more about you know your strategy i guess if you will you know I, i'm i'm extremely picky okay. um i I probably camera hunt. Is, I probably have more fun with trail cameras than I do sitting in a deer stand. Oh, I've seen some of your trail cam pictures. They're great. I mean, yeah. and that's what I enjoy. And I, I like to go and sit and watch. And, sure. You know, uh, there's deer that I don't see them every day, and they're not pets by any means. But right. 
you know, I see him a lot and I get to where I'm like, oh yeah, I know, man, he is going to be good next year. <laughs> That's you right. know, yeah, that and I, then the next year I'm right. like, oh my gosh, next year he's going to be huge. <laughs> and then I never see him again, you know, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but great. that's what I enjoy about it. You know, I, I've just, I'm kind of set up on, I got a hill that kind of surrounds me and I'm down in the bottom and, and where it peaks out and I'm just kind of in a natural funnel draw there. And it just seems to be a, I'm just close enough that they feel safe. Right. But, I mean, I, there's times I'm sitting there, there's deer there all day long, just milling around. Whoa. So that's you kind know, of a and, common communion ground. For yeah. And, and I don't, I don't go mess with it over there. I mean, I'll sure. come in on another side and, you know, it's, and I love it cause I just get to watch the deer. Oh, that's you know, great. That's kind of my thing. That's great. I, I love it too. I mean, there's so much and the thing I'm trying to teach the culture of the youth. And a lot of them, I know, listen to this show because it's a digital product. Yeah, um, is, for sure. Yeah. You know, is Just add um, Pokemon to it. That's right. Add Pokemon or, you know, <laughs> something else, Roblox or whatever the kids are into. Um, but you know, really, I think, you know, it's, it's about the experience so much more than it is about the killing. Yes, and that's what I try to educate every hunter that's 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 impressionable that I run into. Not somebody like you and me that kind of has their mind made up and their whole you know stance and everything you know and, and political yeah. views and everything else. But it's it's very much the experience to me, you know, and it is for you too. I, I can yep. definitely tell that. And I, I'll tell you that the only time I waver from my little management strategy that I have is when one of my kids wants to go hunting. Sure. And that's know, understandable. I yeah. take them and I'm like, hey, so what are you wanting to do? I want to shoot a good buck. Okay. You know, if we see one, then they'll see one. And in my mind, I'm going, oh, please don't shoot that. <laughs> don't that you know, <laughs> and then, then, you know, they're like, I want to shoot that one. Get after it, you know. Right. And the whole time I'm crying inside. But, yeah, exactly. you know, it's about getting them in it. Yeah. Whatever yes. it takes to get kids outside nowadays because they just don't spend enough time outdoors oh there's not and I, i'm even guilty of it because i'm busy writing or i'm busy Me videoing too. or something like that you know we all yep. are as adults we could spend more time out there but you know the the basics fundamentals of it is this sport is declining and you know uh the people that are in it that are that are older are going to eventually stop hunting or you know pass on or whatever the case may be yep. we in our age group at least in, our, in the 30s you know should at least start being passing ah, that baton uh, okay, never mind. I've, I've only got a month. I've only got a month left. A month left. Okay, well, yeah. I'm right. I'm August second. Right. I'm forty. So. I'm almost there too. Okay, I'm thirty eight. But I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, in in our kind of middle age, if you will, yeah. you know, range, Ugh. you know, is passing that baton to not just our. In the last the last guest I had on the show is Clay Hergert, and he uh he made the point at the end of the podcast of take somebody that's not a, a bona fide, you know, outdoorsman hunting sometime, maybe cross the aisle every once in a while and, you know, that's take somebody that may be a vegan even, or who, you know, or whatever the case may be. Uh -oh. um, somebody that's, that's a non hunter that doesn't understand why we do it and just try to, you know, explain, Hey, this is, and take them fishing once, you know, or just, just, just yeah. introduce them into the sport because we, we've got to do something to keep the, the heritage alive is my point. Exactly. It's, I don't, I don't know. It's uh it's almost an epidemic. It is nowadays it's technology has replaced a lot of our outdoor traditions, you know, it um, it's, it's, 
ruined a lot of good things. It's honestly. helped us in a lot of ways because we didn't have a GPS on our phone years ago. We didn't have, <laughs> For sure. you know what I'm saying? We didn't have mapping technology where we get satellite imagery or everything like that. So I try to use the best that the technology has, but I mean, I yeah, don't rely sure. 100% on it because there's still some skill to hunting, you know? Exactly. I mean, there's still some skill, and I, I brought this up with the guy that was talking about my spike I, I talked about earlier in the show. You know, I said, making, and I had another guy that made a point, you know, well, you're just sitting in a deer stand over a corn feeder. How is that hunting? And I said, making a neck shot on a yearling spike that is 100 yards away with, with its head bobbing up and down, chewing corn, is not necessarily the easiest shot in the world. Okay. Yeah, Base yeah. of the neck. I even had one guy on YouTube, you're going to laugh at this, ask me, how can you do a video on how to neck shoot deer? And I was like, huh, let me think about this. Uh, you put, put the crosshairs <laughs> at the base of the neck and squeeze the trigger. Oh. <laughs> Just kidding. But anyway, I just it takes some it takes some shooting skill and and one thing I want to recommend for our listeners is to to go out like my son and I just went out to the gun range the other day and we uh we took out my 1022 Ruger that I've got decked out in black furniture and extended mags and all that other stuff and we just went target shooting and mm -hmm. you know practicing in the off season and getting your skills on bow on rifle on whatever you're shooting your muzzle load or whatever the case may be um, you know, getting your skills honed. So that way you're not, you know, saying, Oh, I'm on one box of ammunition, you know, and, uh, yeah. I've been using the same box of ammunition for the last three years. There's no merit in that. You know, I mean, yeah, right? that's my humble opinion. I don't know what you think, but I you think, don't want to know how many 22 shells I have at home. Uh huh. I'm sure a, a collection, I imagine <laughs> a, a stockpile, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. There's enough. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing that I also bring up is air guns, and I know I'm big about air guns. Everybody knows that, but I um they're even cheaper to shoot than a 22 if you buy the air tank and you know get the compressed air and and shoot like the Air Force air gun, which is a company based right here in Texas. You know the Talon P, which is a 25 caliber. Those little pellets are cheap. You know, you can sit there and teach a kid to plink, you know, with a 177 caliber or a 22 or a 25 or whatever yeah. the case may be for hours and have fun and also instill correct fundamentals and shooting skills. So that's my so, point there. I've been wanting to get me one of those really nice air guns they're they so nice them. oh my god they're so nice they're not cheap they're they're running the six five six seven hundred dollars for for one of them but they're so overall cool. cheaper to shoot if you look at the long term with them and uh, i own a talon p from air force and then i own an air force texan which a lot of folks have seen my video of me shooting that hard with a 45 caliber texan texans now made in the 30 308 and uh 357 calibers and now made suppressed which is awesome because <laughs> quiet air gun shooting is even uh, more awesome than regular air gun shooting. So that's just that would be there. fun. But, uh, you know, I we'll just have to look into that one. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun. But I mean, my point is, is this is the time of year, the summer that we're in to really brush up on those fundamentals and get ready for hunting season. It doesn't start in August. It doesn't start in September. You know, it mm -hmm. starts now. I mean, it starts yep. really even earlier than now. It's my, my point. Yep. And that's, I mean, I know that, bow fishing and bow hunting are, are so much alike but so different it's not even funny right but that is that is one of the benefits of bow fishing in the summer is you're keeping your arm and your muscles that you only use pulling the bow back there's muscles in the back of your shoulder that you know you only use when you're pulling the bow back you don't have to use it for anything and right you keep those worked you know yes and that's so. very important for 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 compound bow hunting and recurve bow hunting that's the thing i was going to ask you do you shoot a recurve at all tim 
I have, yes. I don't have one right now, but I have. I've told Marty this before. Bow hunting and bow fishing have gone hand in hand because when I target shoot with a recurve, which I don't do very much 3D shooting with it, but when I target Mm -hmm. shoot with a recurve, it helps me become a better overall shot for the recurve because you're having to automatically aim. Yep low right so <laughs> that's my whole point is is it teaches you to aim low and um and oh, that's for just, sure helps with the shooter absolutely i mean it, it just it's it's a great practice and it's a great you know way to yes. keep those muscles trained and instinctive, um, and instinctive absolutely and shoot instinctively yeah. which is which is what recurve shooting a lot of times is if you're not using a sight and um I just have a blast, you know, with all kinds of archery or um, or rifles or any of that stuff. I own a bunch of all of it, but uh, crossbows is our next thing with Texas Fishing Game with the crossbow school. But uh, I own three crossbows. My dad has one. I have two, and I let my friend shoot one of those two, and uh, maybe getting another one with the crossbow school thing that we do. But I love it all, man. And I think there's nothing wrong with being a well-rounded outdoorsman, you know? No, for sure, for sure. So, I mean, I just can't get enough of all of it, you know? That's my problem. I just got to go back into taxidermy myself again oh there you go that you'd be like my friend danny berry that owns db hunting ranch he does a live sale business which i help him with he does taxidermy he has, his wife does deer processing and wild game processing and then he owns a hunting ranch right, right, <laughs> all right. four businesses it's like spending four plates at one time man i'm telling exactly. you exactly well i mean you're gonna spend that money somewhere you might as well pay yourself and i plan on having him on the show soon too he's kind of <laughs> an elusive one to get on a podcast but yeah i'm gonna have him on one of these days but it's just a blast i mean i just I love all this stuff. So, anyway, plus you, but. I mean, feeding yourself too. That's true. That's a good point. I had yeah. a guy the other day, Tim, that emailed me uh, or messaged me on Facebook, saw one of my uh, GarQuest videos that I did for Marty on YouTube, and messaged me. I don't know how he found me. I guess he found me through a website or whatever. But he said, um, he said, "Man, uh, Facebook messaged me and he said, do you have any Gar? Because I'm low.'" <laughs> He was ready to eat some gar. And I was just like, well, I'm, I'm not about all out of it now, but I'm glad I found somebody else that enjoys eating the stuff because I do. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I mean, it's a blast. It doesn't really even taste like fish so much as it tastes more. No, like to me, it's like a, yeah. yeah, it's got like that uh, imitation crab top. Yeah, texture to that's me. a good idea. That's a good way to put you it. Know, yeah. And if you've never done it, take little pieces of it and throw it in like a crab bowl. Oh yeah, Marty's when you're, bo- when you're boiling before. shrimp, yeah, boiling shrimp, yeah. Sure. Oh, oh, it's yeah. like, oh, you're getting me oh, hungry now, man. I'm telling you, it's good. It's good. Oh, it's too much yeah. fun, but no, this is great. So, um, what else do you do in the outdoors, Tim? I mean, I've I've kind of run the gamut with you on bow fishing, African hunting, uh, big game hunting. Do you fish very much? Yeah, we we I rod and real fish some when I don't have a bow in my hand and. Uh, we do a little noodling here and there. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about noodling. Yeah. Tell me some about that. Oh, man, it's crazy. <laughs> that's <laughs> for sure. It really, it's, it's legal a good in time, Texas you know. now, which is great. So. Yeah, you can't use anything but your hands and right. feet. No sticks, no hooks, nothing like that. Um, it's it's nerve-wracking, but if, if you pay attention and, and kind of look, you know, you find a hole here and a hole there under a rock or whatever, and, I always look to make sure that the that rock doesn't go back far enough where it's coming out of the water. Right. You know, because it, like at the, say you're a big concrete slab, the water's got a hole under it, and you're five foot deep, four foot deep. The only thing that's going to be in that hole will be a fish. Right. Right. A turtle has to be able to get air. Yes. A beaver has to be able to get air. Yes. A snake has to be able to get air. You know, 
So I don't I don't mess around on the banks or anything. It's, I, I I go out a little bit just because I'm scared to death to get bit by something. Well, or a snake at least. <laughs> Other I mean, that's defense. my biggest yeah. fear is snakes in the outdoors. I'll be quite honest yeah. with everybody on this show. I do not like snakes. Snakes do not like me. I just it's just something I don't do. Uh, doesn't matter yeah. the poisonous or not. I'm just not a fan. Uh, you can ask Marty about this, and Marty's <laughs> told this story to you, Tim, before about me and the uh, of snakes. You know that he shot in Choke Canyon, and they're biting each other, and I'm freaking out. And oh my gosh, I'm screaming at oh, the camera like a little girl. That story. You know? I was just wishing there was a video. <laughs> There's a video, but I'm not in it. Okay, it's just me <laughs> going, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, it's a snake. <laughs> So I, I just don't do it when you bring them over to the boat. But, okay, you, yeah, you made me feel better about noodling because I always thought you would encounter snakes. But you're right; if they don't have air, they don't have anywhere. Exactly. So you always just if you know the hole, you check the hole. You know, you find them with your feet or however you find them. Right. But just look at where it's at. If it's not going to the bank and come up where any air can get in there, there's not going to be anything. Yes. Yeah, that's a good. You point. know, I mean, just. No, that's good. I mean, that's and so you're basically going in there and and reaching into the catfish's mouth and pulling them out. Is that right? Is that what I'm following? Well, uh, yeah. Um, sometimes you're not reaching in as much as they are swallowing. You. Oh, I um, see. I've never know, talked to many noodlers before, so I yeah. Didn't know. Well, basically, they're protecting their nest, is what they're doing. Okay, so they're swallowing. Or they're in there. They're in there trying to make a nest, um, and so you, anything that goes in there, they're going to hit. Usually, they hit it with the tail. Okay. You know, uh, but Slap. then they'll turn around and then they'll turn around and bite it. Okay. And okay. they and they will. I mean, it hurts sometimes, and I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean, it's. I, you know, we caught a 40 pound blue last week. I thought it broke my thumb. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, I mean, it, he was mean, but blue cats are the worst. They're the meanest thing in the world. They're more, they're worse than a yellow cat, huh? Yeah, I, I've you know <laughs> my biggest. I've caught a 61 pound yellow cat, which was the biggest one um, that I've caught by hand. I've, I've had some bigger ones that beat me but right um it wasn't near as bad as a 40 pound blue cat blue cats well wow. i've yeah. only uh jug fish and rod and reel fish for big catfish like that but i mean i i guess i gotta go with you one time and get in the water and yeah well and... it's just now like they're just now getting great right right the, the so weather they were just now yeah they were a little late this year getting in the holes so they're you know it's it's good right <laughs> I love it. That's great. That's a, you know, one of the things you see when you're out fishing or bow fishing or hunting or whatever, is just you know, nature interacting with itself. And one of the things that I wanted to bring up is last time I was bow fishing with Marty was um, this past March, I think it was, and GarQuest Bow Fishing Adventures. And we, uh, we, I was taking two guys that a couple of their pictures in the bow fishing school or the bow fishing one-on-one program. Uh, Gene and Athena, they'd never been bow fishing before, so we took them out and we're kind of showing them the, the way to go, you know, and how to do it and everything like that. And what we saw was a gar laying eggs uh, up against near the shoreline and a catfish mm -hmm. coming behind it and eating the eggs. <laughs> Oh, you so needed a video of that. I know I did. I mean, Marty says what happens all the time. I was like, why didn't you get a GoPro video of it or whatever? But I'm just uh, saying, you know, I I was just like, there's nature in action right there. You yeah. can't just go watch that on the Discovery Channel. You know what I mean? No. You know, whatever the case nope. may be. You know, or just, just like watching the buffalo eating the eggs of the bass nest. Yes, that's you another know. thing. A natural predator for the bass. You know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, or not necessarily a predator, but something that's that's eating their eggs. You know, uh, yeah, and, and predatory. In a way, it would be a predator. Yeah, yeah, I guess if you look at it like that. But yeah, 
Um, but I was just like, wow, you know, it's just so fascinating. And the, the one guest I've had on the show before Chester Moore is our editor in chief. He, he would put down his gun or his rod and reel and go pick up a camera to just go video or, or, or photo of something like that, you know, and right. I, I'm starting to get more, the older I get starting to get more excited, you know, uh, about the, those kind of things in the outdoors. You just don't see every day like that. I'm a picture guy. I always have been. I've got boxes full of 35 millimeter film and a cell phone I'm, full of images too. I know. Yeah, I like exactly. All the time for exactly. Sense, you know, I'm a picture guy because yeah. I mean that those you get old and can't remember stuff or whatever. You can always look back at a picture. Right. Right. You Absolutely. know. Your kids, they grow up, and you're like, man, I miss it. And you look back, and like, man, I remember that day. You know. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's <laughs> I, I just love pictures. That's awesome, man. Uh, but I love watching you on Facebook. I love watching you on the Instagram and uh, Twitter. And, and you always like my post, and I appreciate that so much. So. Oh, you're, you're awesome. You do awesome things for the outdoors. I try to. I try to. Yeah. So, Well, Tim, uh, tell us how folks can find you and connect with you. Well, you can find me on Facebook. At, it's just Tim Jackson. Um, you can find me on Instagram at GarQuest underscore then bowfishing. Um, Twitter's GarQuest Bowfishing also, or you can get a hold of me, you know, through the website, uh, www.garquest.com. Which I just recently rebuilt, so. Yeah, you did, you did. It's got a new facelift on it, and it's mobile compatible now, so that's kind of good for podcasts. Yeah, it looks looks good, yeah. Oh, thank you. I worked hard on that, but. No, I just I, I love what you do in the outdoors. I love how you work with kids and your your own kids and fostering the the heritage and the traditions of the outdoors with them and the legacy, if you will, of the outdoors. I mean, uh, how many kids do you have again? I forget. Uh, four. Four. Okay. Four. Yep. Two and two. That's cool. That's cool. So. And, and they're really I watch them on you know Holly and your uh, Facebook and uh, and Instagram and stuff and just how y'all you know, teach them about outdoors and, and, you know, you and Holly going on your, what was it? Your anniversary the other day when y'all shot a big gar or something, y'all were holding it up. Uh, what was uh, it? For Mother's Day, Mother's we went, Day, uh, we went rod and reel fishing for rock. For oh, gator gar. Okay. All right. Yeah, for, we, for gar, we caught yeah. 12 that day. Golly, 12. Yeah. Man, they they were, fight hard, don't they? On rod and Yeah. Reel. They were all four to six foot and then we lost five and two of them were absolute monsters. Wow. That's awesome. One of them, one of them was, I'm pretty sure was over eight. I mean, we don't know, but I'm, he was, that's, when we saw him, he was huge. He I turns mean, that tail and heads the other way. And you're like, Oh, my he goodness. was pulling us upstream. Oh my gosh. A good boat. Wow. So, and we were in an 18 foot jet boat. So gee whiz, that's yeah, crazy. I mean, he was pulling us against the current. So he, I mean, he was big before he broke off. But you guys really exemplify the enjoying the outdoors as a family, you know, and I brought this up on the show before about, you know, how some folks go bow fishing together as a family. You guys are one of those couples, you know, uh, well, we, um, I think it's great. Well, I, you know, not only do it for the kids, but if I didn't do that, I'd be divorced. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, but, you know, and, and they, my wife loves it. I mean, you know, it was at, at one point in time, it was an issue because I was gone all the time, right, you know? And, right. And so I was like, well, you're just going with me, mm-hmm. you know? So well, then she started that. being a helper. And I mean, it's, uh, we have such a good time together competing against each other and just playing or whatever, <laughs> you know? Couple of the and plays the bad thing is, is right. yeah, the bad thing is she's getting really good. She's getting really good at it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm having the, I, I still beat her. 
But I'm having to actually work a work little now. Little you know, work. yeah, yeah. You Those know. skills are improving. So, I'm telling you. Yeah, it's that uh, new pink bow she got. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's great. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's so good so, to see. So, well, Tim, do you have anything else to add before we close the show today? Uh, you just keep doing what you're doing, Dustin. You're doing a, a great thing, and I'm enjoying all your podcasts. And so, well, thank you, man. That means a lot to me. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yes, sir. And there he goes, folks, Mr. Tim Jackson. You can check him out in the show notes. I'll have his information and his wife's information for um, the uh, their contact information on social media if you want to find them. And uh, also, I have my son here, Jackson. This is the first time Jackson's ever been on the podcast. Say hello. Hi. That's right, Jackson. And what do you have to say to our podcast listeners out there about having fun in the outdoors? Uh... It's going to be really fun on the outdoors. Just go to fishinggame.com and you'll find Dustin Warnke. There you go. Okay, fishgame.com. You can find me, Dustin Warnke, all of our podcasts and everything like that. And uh, I've promised Jackson he would be on the show a little bit. So I'd love to have my son. He's seven years old on here. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for reading. Thank you so much for listening. And have an awesome day in the outdoors. Mm-hmm.